0: Just wonder about all these projects. Well, as I said, I am streamlining. You know I think what you discovered this week was that something's missing from your life. And before you start to fill it up with everything about the kitchen sink, I think you ought to just ask yourself, what do I really want? What is really going to make me happy? Now? Well, that's weird. I suddenly feel like having a beer.
1: <laughs> Hello,
0: and welcome to the Story Toolkit. I'm Basim El co author of Action: The Art of Excitement with Robert McKee, and joining me is Luke Lionel, writer and part of the McKee Storylog team. Hello, Seattle! What's doing? What's happening? <laughs> So this is, this today we're going to talk about Frasier. <laughs> um, we used to, whenever we were starting up, um, we had a real problem doing the intro for this podcast, and so I copied Mark Rosewater, the head designer of Magic's way of introing podcasts, which is, he goes, so today, like that, that's how I get into it. Whenever we would mess around, uh, I, I would throw Luke off by saying that line, which is from Fraser. and since we're talking about Fraser, I felt I had to start with. Excellent. Hello
1: Seattle, what's doing, what's happening? <laughs> <laughs> um okay admin i would like some theme music over the admin on this episode <laughs> we will put theme we've, music we've now had you like 79 theme. episodes and and i want it to be more interesting so please put some music <laughs> over the top we will put music okay you ready mm. thank you for listening to the story toolkit Uh, You can get in touch on our website, thestorytoolkit.wordpress.com, and get in touch through Twitter, at thestorytoolkit. Do send us your emails of uh, anything you want us to talk about, and thank you to everybody who has been emailing so far. (laughs) Done. (laughs) I know exactly how that music's going to sound. It's going to be amazing. (laughs) So much cheese.
0: Okay. Okay. So, um, yeah, so today we're going to talk about Frasier. In particular, we're going to talk about... Uh, Martin Crane, Frasier's dad, because uh, the actor who played him, John Mahoney, sadly passed away recently. Um, and he was, he was a terrific actor. If you ever saw In Treatment, season two. Oh,
1: I never got to season two. Oh, geez, he's amazing. I
0: remember that I was watching season two of In Treatment and there was, there's a scene where John Mahoney just breaks down crying. And I sat there and I I, I told Bob this the next time I saw him. I'm like, how are there awards for acting? While this show is on the air, and he just <laughs> laughed and smiled and was like, yeah, exactly. It's like because they're the best act. <laughs> like they have such amazing characters. They're just in treatment. You know, they're sitting in a room for twenty minutes talking. It's like one act play, and they're so incredible. Like you just, there's no point in having awards. Like it's just in treatment. That's <laughs> any acting award goes to whoever's in in treatment that year. That's it. So, um, but anyway. It, 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 well, he was most famous for, obviously, was the role of Martin Crane in Frasier. And uh, Frasier was a spin-off series to the also very famous Cheers. Uh, and it's actually kind of interesting how Frasier came about because Kelsey Grammer, they realised that Kelsey Grammer could have his own show and uh, if he could sort out his p- personal life because he was kind of a mess uh, at the time. Uh, and they said, you know, we could ha- give him his own show. Uh, but Kelsey Grammer and no one else wanted to do a spin-off. They didn't want to do a spin-off of Cheers. So originally they were going to do another thing where he played a sort of uh, paraplegic billionaire who ran his empire from his uh, office. And that was the original idea and like uh, they went, this is a mistake. I don't this believe a- you. I'm not making this up. <laughs> and uh, they went, you know, this is a mistake. We're not enjoying this. So um, let's spin off Frasier. And they did a couple of interesting things. The first thing they did was um, they set it as far from Boston as possible, because <laughs> <laughs> they didn't want the studio saying, "Hey, why don't you have cast members from Cheers show up?" Right. So I think I think season two, the first is the first time anyone shows up, and that's when Sam Malone shows up, um, played by the wonderful Ted Danson, and um, and then I think Woody Harrelson shows up couple of seasons later or something so they, they they do show up there's even a cheers reunion episode yeah when is the reunion episode i can't remember it's one of the latest seasons i think I, I really can't remember but the point was they set it away from seattle uh, set it away from boston they put it in seattle so it looked different felt different and they actively tried to avoid things so for example originally they were going to show maris niles's wife because they didn't want to repeat vera uh norm's wife who never showed up on screen but um, that f- they st- fell in love with coming up with excuses for why Maris wasn't available. And then they added so many eccentricities to her that they went, well, there's no way anyone can play this. So <laughs> they just they 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 decided they're never going to show Maris. Um, and so one of the things that they did was Frasier in Cheers does not talk much about his backstory or his thing like, or anything like that. When they went to do the Fraser series, originally they were gonna focus it mostly on the radio station, um, but then they went, no, 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 that's too much like another sitcom. So they focused more on his personal life and his and his family. So what's brilliant is, in Cheers, he actively tells them that his father was a scientist and dead. Right? There's a scene where... He, I remember this, and he tells them, like, yeah, my father died, and he was a scientist, he's telling them this wonderful story about his dad, right? And, but in the show, Martin Crane is a cop, and very much alive. So when Sam shows up, uh, he, you know, he's being introduced, and Martin goes, oh, hey, Sam, you know, because he loves Sam, because Sam played baseball. He was a mm-hmm. famous play- baseball player, so he recognizes him, he knows him, so, oh, yeah, great. And they're chatting back and forth, and he goes, oh, so what did Frasier tell you about me? He goes he told me you were dead, sir. And then Frasier just turns to him and goes, we had a very loud argument on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> so that did just like, <laughs> that's the, so the idea that if you go back and watch that episode of Cheers, Frasier's just lying because he's upset with his dad. Um, the other thing that happens uh, is that he mentions he's an only child. Uh, <laughs> in, the show, in Cheers. So of course now he has a brother, Niles. So they, they, so when they created these characters, they kind of violated a lot of, Sort of backstory, or, or rather, what tiny backstory they'd given him. Polar opposite of Better Call Saul. Right. Right. <laughs> it's the, exactly. In Better Call Saul, they're like, we have to fit, make sure everything fits. Whereas, um, but actually, no. In Better Call Saul, remember, they did say, like, anything Saul said about himself is fair game. Like, yeah, none of that has true, to be true. true. Uh, there's certain things they have to stick to, but that's a prequel as well. Yeah. But this one is a sequel, so they just went, as long as we can come up with an excuse for why Frasier said something that isn't true anymore it's like yeah okay we can do this so and also i mean this is back in the day where you know you couldn't easily rewatch shows mm-hmm. um but now of course you have we had this was before box sets and now of course you have streaming but um so uh so fraser so they had to create a bunch of characters to to flesh out fraser's world and uh and what was interesting is kelsey grammars basically said the fraser he played in Cheers is not the Frazier who played in Frasier because so much of the character is different. He's not a clinical psychiatrist, he's a radio psychiatrist and so all these different things keep mm. changing with him. Uh, and also when you think about it um, which we'll get to, the way that the cast polarises and dimensionalizes Frasier uh, has obviously gave him enough legs to run for another ten years. Um, there's, a, there's a great bit in one of the last season episodes of Frasier where Frasier meets his first ex-wife, um, who is a woman who plays like a child uh star character, um like, called na- Nanny something or other. Uh she's like, you know, like a ch- like a children's TV presenter thing. And she there's just one bit where she just goes to Fraser, do you have any idea what it's like to play the same character for twenty years? <laughs> <laughs> um but anyway, um <clears throat> so uh, uh, yeah, so we're going to talk uh, mostly about what Martin's role is. Because as I said, they had to do quite a bit to put Martin into the show. There was a lot of choices they had to make to get that character in there. Because um, there's there was there's no reason to invent him if they didn't want to. But they actively created well, this, then, fa- this father character.
1: This is a good moment to get into his role in the show. Yeah. Then. So he's really a protagonist.
0: Yeah, so... We've done several episodes on comedy, particularly sitcoms. We've done a whole bunch on It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. And we did one podcast episode about how everyone in the cast of Sunny in Philadelphia has a blind obsession. Or, in fact, multiple blind obsessions. And they're just this crazy, zany group of characters that get into all kinds of ridiculous situations of their own making. Right, Um, Martin Crane, however does not really have any blind obsessions. Yet he's the major character. He's one of five major characters in the show. The other four being Frasier, Niles, Daphne, and Roz. Hmm. Right? So he's one of the major characters of the sitcom, and it's one of the greatest sitcoms ever written. And he doesn't have a blind obsession, really. Um, And the reason is he's, he's very rarely the protagonist in the show. Now, the protagonist in a story, just to you know, give a quick definition. The protagonist in the story is the character that has the focus of empathy and emotional interest who has the, who carries, um, the spine of action. In other words, they're pursuing their object of desire. So the story hinges on whether or not they get what they want. Right. Um, and so, um, and so whether or not there's irony or whatever, whatever kind of genre it is, that's the case. Now the protagonist can be one character or many characters. Um, so you can have a group protagonist, you can have one protagonist, you can have, uh, in some cases, you can have two different protagonists who want contradictory things. And what makes them protagonists is the amount of empathy you have. right? So uh, s- secondary characters and so on don't have enough empathy to be considered the protagonist of the story, even though they might be the protagonist of their subplots. It's a question of emphasis and point of view. Okay. Mm-hmm. So Martin rarely is pursuing anything. Uh, Rarely is the story about Martin getting what he wants. Um, And normally it's about Frasier. In fact, almost exclusively it's about Frasier getting what he wants. And typically, if there's anyone else involved, they are either set directly opposite, up against Frasier, or they're working with Frasier to get the same thing. And as a result, the comic design, um, that is the comedy storytelling, requires... Um, characters to be blind to what they want. They have a blind obsession. That's what allows it to be funny because you distance yourself from them and their pain uh, and also their inability to kind of turn away from the dangers and risks that they have to go through and do this creates the, the, creates the opportunities to create these sort of off-the-wall absurd moments that become very, very funny. I mean, a, a really great example of this, maybe we should talk about this one time, is Doctor Strangelove, right? Mm. Where like literally these characters are so blindly obsessed, they can't they can't turn away from World War Three, like that's how obsessed they are with winning the with beating Russia. Right, the Americans are, and the Russians are so obsessed with winning the Cold War, they can't stop their mutual destruction of World War Three. Like you know what I mean? Like so, there's the, the hugest extreme. So the idea of a com- comedy. His characters kind of can't turn away from this. But what's interesting is Martin doesn't need blind obsessions because he's not the protagonist. It's not his object of desire that's being pursued. And in fact, when you have a character that has a blind obsession but their object of desire doesn't exist, they that's when they become really contrived and what you would normally call zany. Mm. You know, in that annoying way, that sort of quirky way when you go like a character just walks in and he's just de- he or she is just deliberately odd. And doing weird things just com- for the sake of it. Comedic equivalent of um, melodrama, right? Undermotivated. Yes, it is. That's a really great point. Yeah, it is the comedic equivalent of melodrama. Absolutely. Um, I like that. I really like that. <laughs> That's a really good point. Um, I hadn't thought of it that way, but it is. It's the comedic point of melodrama. Although slow and dangerous behind the wheel, <laughs> I do serve a purpose. Yes, serve it. So, um, so yeah. So bl- blind obsessions that don't uh, aren't related to the spine of action just seem very gratuitous. Uh, Or can be, at least. Sometimes they're just so genuinely funny, it doesn't matter. Uh, Like, you know, you you can halt narrative drive in a comedy, but you just have to be funny when you Mm -hmm. do it. Um, And so, uh, because Martin isn't really pursuing things in most stories, he doesn't really have a blind obsession. And when he does get involved in pursuing things, it's generally the the blind obsessions of other characters that are around him. So, uh, for example... um, some of the best Martin episodes, one of the best Martin episodes is an episode with the delightful pun, Out with Dad. Mm. Um, and it's a, it's, a ma- it's a wonderful farce. And the whole idea of this episode is uh, it's Valentine's Day and Frasier doesn't have anyone to take to the opera because Niles, <laughs> Niles gets an actual date. So Frasier doesn't want to go to the opera alone. And he wants to go to the opera mainly because a, directly across from his box is a woman that he's attracted to. And he doesn't want to go alone on Valentine's Day. Um, and he doesn't want to take a woman with him. So, you know, what to do. And so he convinces Martin to go with him. And so Martin goes with him. And Frasier and Martin are sitting in the box. And Martin looks over and he sees the woman with her mother. And so Martin waves at the woman to get her attention. So that Fraser, you know, has an in to talking with her. And of course the mother thinks that he's waving at her. So now Frasier, Frasier is annoyed with Martin because, like, th- th- he's got an opportunity to talk to them, but Martin can't turn down the mother because if he does, then that's going to ruin his chances with the, with the daughter. So, so he's like, you know, you have to you be nice to her like that. And so Martin tries to let her down easily, and um, the mother just presumes that the reason she, he said no is because he's at the opera after all. He knows who Renata Tabaldi is, therefore he must be gay. Um, And so Martin just plays into that. And then, of course, uh, uh, Frasier gets the offer of a nightcap, so he's going to bring the daughter over to his flat. However, what what Martin doesn't realise, and Frasier finds out too late, is the mother isn't going to come. Instead, the woman's uncle is going to come because he's single and he's gay. And so they want to hook Martin and the uncle up. So Martin now is in this situation where... He's he's in the kitchen. She's brought the uncle and all that stuff. And Frazier is like confronts him. Is like you told the mother you were gay. And he goes like yes, yes, yes. Oh, I, I get it. I get it. You want me to gay it up a little? I can do that. And he just walks straight <laughs> out and starts gaying it up, as it were, like overplaying it. Um, and and this of course like is sending signals to the uncle, which of course is building up the tension of like at some point he's going to be revealed. You know, like how is he going to get out of this? It's a cute episode. And um, one of the nice things about it, by the way, that's uh, a really nice touch. Is Fraser is often portrayed in a sort of effeminate way, and Martin is often very sort of like the macho guy. So there's a certain a sort of thing like this. But um, what's what's cute about this? There's two very cute things. One, they never actually mock homosexuals in the show. Like the guy who plays uh, Edward, mm. right? There's nothing. You, you don't. You don't. You, there's nothing funny about him. He's. Do you know what I mean? He's mm. just a straight character in that sense pardon the pun he's you know he's just right he just he's he's really lovely character but what's really funny i liked was the things that set off martin as being even more gay was not his sort of stereotypical flourishes but what he actually is like the fact that he watches sports all the time and hangs out in cop (laughs) bars because he's a cop like those things the macho things that martin does are actually the biggest signals (laughs) <laughs> to, to edward that's that's kind of really funny because it kind of like bites martin
1: in the ass you know as he's doing um, the senior um it's the thing it's all about understanding who the um uh who the butt of the joke is yeah, right and, the, and and it's never uh, it's never gay people. The but the joke there is Martin. Yeah, the but
0: the but the, the joke is essentially Martin and his insecurities, and also sort of society and these yeah. things. But like it's a it's a very cute little uh, thing. But it, it it just builds and builds and builds. And it's very funny. It's got lots of double entendres and things like that. It's very well done. Um, and uh, and one of the nicest things about it is Edward has uh, so much dignity when eventually um, he gets turned down. But the best thing that builds up is. He's trying to, again, he's trying to let Edward down and he doesn't know how to let down this, uh, the uncle, Edward. He doesn't know how to let him down. And Niles, Niles comes into the flat and Martin goes, darling. And he pretends that he's seeing Niles. And so Niles <laughs> plays along. And then Fraser takes Niles and says, like, you have to break up with Dad. Like that. And so there's this one bit where, where, where Martin just goes like, where have you been today? So, I'm tired of your jealousy. He just yells into this huge speech. And he goes, I'm keeping the jewellery. And he leaves. And Edward just goes, the young ones, they never stay. <laughs> it's just the idea that he has to pretend he's seeing his own son. Um, so it's just, it's, it's really wonderfully funny. Um, but the, the thing that's going on in that episode the blind obsession that's driving Martin, uh, uh Frasier's been driven uh, by his lust, right? That's Fray- Frasier doesn't care what happens, so long as his date doesn't get ruined, right? That's all that matters to Frasier. But what matters to Martin is the sense of embarrassment. He's he's desperate to not hurt anyone's feelings and not be a problem, and of course, as a result, it's creating more and more of a ridiculous, farcical situation. Um, in what's going on, he has to play this. This character that he has to come up with. So there's this sense of this fear of embarrassment and this desire not to hurt people's feelings that kind of gets Martin built up. Um, and all, I think I don't know, I really like how cute that is that, like, the whole situation is being built up because Martin doesn't want to hurt people's feelings. Mm. It's not like he's embarrassed that people might think... He doesn't mind if people think he's gay. He has no problem with it. Do you know what I mean? Like, it. that's why um, it doesn't feel like those... Um, uh, you know, when you see other shows that try and do this, like, him him being gay is not a problem for him. He doesn't mind. No one minds. None of that. It's not It's not about, like, oh, if he gets found out, you know, this sort of... When when characters often are terrified that people think they're gay. It's not that at all. It's the exact opposite. He's more interested in, like, no one's allowed to get hurt.
1: Like, to such a ridiculous degree. Like, it's, if... it's built from such a small... Turn as well, yeah, okay. tiny, it's... and it builds and
0: builds and builds. The one tiny lie builds into a bit a slightly bigger lie until eventually he's dating his own son. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's just great. Um, and so, um, yeah, so he so that 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 moment where he goes, darling, and immediately like latches onto Niles as his as his partner. When that happens, that is like that's pure blind obsession. That's where you you take you go one step. Further than you needed to, and you've made it so much worse for yourself because that you have to get away with what you're trying to do, even though like you just didn't have to do this. There's there's so many outs up until now, you know. Like he could have claimed that he was seeing someone and he's got a broken heart and he's not in a position to be with anyone just now. That kind of thing. He could say, look, you know, he could tell, he could confide in the uncle, Say, look, you know, I don't want to offend you, but this is what happened. I didn't, you know, I don't want to like, you know, I don't want to ruin my son's. He could, he could confide. Edward
1: would understand. But it's <laughs> darling, I, it's one of I, it's one of those wonderful episodes that uh, you could learn a huge amount from uh, actually breaking it apart and yeah. going in scene by scene. Because I think yeah. those those two turning points—the one where <laughs> the one where Niles is at the door and you just have that moment where he looks at him, like how does this play out, yeah. darling? <laughs> huge belly laugh, yes. uh, And then that other moment because Niles is not. Really yeah. playing along all yeah. that much, uh, and when he decides to play, and yeah. breaks up with his dad, it's right. that even bigger laugh.
0: The, the and the I think the, the, there was another there's another big laugh you get just before that, which is the I'll get up a little, <laughs> <laughs>
1: just like you're making
0: this so much worse. You're not listening. You're making this worse now, because um, like that's that I love it because what's at risk, of course, is everyone's feelings, and he just he doesn't want to hurt people. It's lovely. Um. So, uh, So that's that's so that's another thing where like he, he sort of he's he's cribbed a blind obsession that Frasier would normally have or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um uh but then there's other episodes uh, that are sort of Martin centric. A, a really fun one was Dial M for Martin where Martin um and Fraser are sort of at loggerheads, uh because Fraser's uh lost his job uh, temporarily. And so they're together all the time. They never have a break and so they're getting sick of each other. And so Martin decides, uh, Frasier, and uh, Martin decides to move in with Niles. Um, And Niles is very much against this idea until he realizes that Daphne is going to be moving in with him. (laughs) So uh, that's the plan. And then when when, uh, they find out that Martin can live with Niles and the building is is just, there's no lift. It's just stairs all the way up and he can make that climb. Uh, Daphne realizes that she is done she's she's because she's his physio so she's she's fixed him she doesn't need to stick around anymore which of course is the end of the world for Niles and so D- Niles is the reason it's called Darlin' for Martin is because the idea is is Niles is un uncon- like through his unconscious is actively trying to kill or injure Martin so that Daphne stays this is a theory that Frasier gives to Martin be- when they have a little accident and Martin starts to believe it <laughs> Right, And so the the show builds over this idea that uh, Niles is active. <laughs> There's a bit where Niles goes, oh, look, Dad, uh, here's the shower. And look, it's got a rail so you don't slip and fall. And Martin goes, oh, wow. Great. He puts his hand on it and immediately it collapses. And Niles goes, oh, well, guess I didn't tighten it enough. <laughs> so <laughs> David Ives, his delivery is just constantly this, like, uh, misery type of character. Yeah. Dad, come take a look at the balcony with me. <laughs> that kind of thing, as he's desperately trying to make Daphne stay. And at the same time, um, uh, Fraser, now that he's got the pad to himself, he's he's like, oh, I'm gonna have, he's gonna have a date over. And so there's this wonderful bit at the end where Martin has run away from Niles, thinking Niles is trying to kill him, uh, to Fraser's house and Fra- uh, Fraser's apartment. And Fraser is in the apartment playing romantic music, expecting his date and then one after another, Martin, Niles, Daphne knock on the door, and every time someone knocks on the door, he plays the romantic music, opens the door, and it's someone you didn't want to see, he turns the music off, until eventually at the climax, Martin's on the floor, because Daphne has accidentally hurt him, or maybe unconsciously she did it on purpose, Niles and Daphne are over him, and it's like, he's in incredible pain, he can't even walk, he's just lying on the floor, and Martin, is <laughs> just yelling over him, get up you old man, I don't care how much pain you're in, at which point his date shows up, and goes,
1: oh, Oh, hold on. And
0: he plays the music. To, and she just goes, you're the most disgusting man and Storms off. Um, and so that, that's a very cute episode. And of course, the blind obsession there is that Martin is terrified that Niles is trying to kill him. That Niles has the blind obsession, Daphne's got to stay. Frasier's got this blind obsession of get, having the date, his lust again. Right? So, really, uh, but uh, Martin's uh, bl- doesn't really have a sort of blind obsession, if that makes sense. It's it's more it's more Niles that does, which is
1: Daphne's got to stay. Yeah, the important the important difference with this episode for me was that um, Martin isn't necessarily pursuing something. No, he's not. He's, not really. He's reacting.
0: He's reacting to Niles. Niles is the one who's pursuing these things and so on. Um, but it, it's it's it, again it's um it's not it's not as clear cut as that because um. Like Martin does have a sort of blind obsession in in the thing, which is to not get killed by his yeah. son, right? And he does become somewhat blind because Martin, he, he doesn't ever talk to Niles. It, that's all he has to do. He just has to talk to Niles once. He never talks to him. He never says anything. Frasier says one thing and Martin goes full paranoid, right? <laughs> so you could say his blind obsession is his paranoia. And in fact Frazier calls him out on it at one point in the episode. Yeah. Um, but so, again, that's just a different format where he's sort of trapped in these things. Another Martin-centric episode is called Chess Pains where um, Frasier buys this incredibly elegant Baroque sort of decadent chess set uh, from medieval France or whatever it is. And uh, he, he has no one to play with and so he convinces his dad to play a game with him and his dad has doesn't really know how to play chess, doesn't understand it, and, of course, beats him. And then... The show builds more and more into these. You see snippets of games where Martin is less and less interested in the game and still getting checkmates. There's one bit where he's 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 playing with Eddie and Fraser is agonising over the board and Daphne says, well, "Can you help me with these things?" And Martin just goes, "No, I'm playing chess with Fraser." And Fraser just goes, "Aha! Done. My trap is set. I have spent hours planning this, but now checkmate." <laughs> Walks up and puts the. There's one bit where he's playing Martin and Martin is asleep. He goes, "Dad, wake up!" And he goes, "Oh, sorry, is it my go? Yeah, checkmate." My... <laughs> and so it builds and builds that Martin uh, that uh, Fraser is just again that he has this complete obsession to the point where he sets off the smoke detectors and offers Martin five thousand dollars to play him in chess just so that he can try and beat him again. And his blind obsession is beating his dad at chess, right? But Martin is not, does not really have a blind obsession in that episode. He's just this wonderful foil for Fraser's antics. So, uh, but when he does have blind obsessions, it's things like you know not hurting people's feelings, the fear of embarrassment that everyone shares, um, uh, and typically um, sort of the American male stuff, such as watching sports and having beer and being left to do those things, um, that kind of stuff.
1: Well, let's talk about then his his uh, more regular role in the show which is complicating and reacting.
0: Yeah, normally, yeah, he's in the show, what he does is he complicates things or he reacts to things. He doesn't normally drive things or create things in that sense. He just makes things worse for them or, or he points out how ridiculous the situation is. Um, so, for example, uh, there's an episode called uh, The Two Mrs. Cranes. Which is, this is an amazing episode where Daphne, um, an old flame of Daphne's, comes to Seattle and they made a pact that if in like five, six years or whatever neither of them married, they'd get married and of course she doesn't want to marry him because he's a dead-end loser and all that stuff, so she claims that she's with Niles Uh, so Niles and Daphne are are together and of course Niles is loving this particular farce right? Right? Um, and Frasier is now, uh, so this is Niles and Daphne's flat, which Martin is staying in, so Frazier's his brother who's come over to stay with him, and of course when the guy shows up and she's like, she's introduced to this and she's saying how happy she is and how she's engaged to Niles and all this stuff, um, that's when the bomb drops that this guy is now a really successful businessman and he's quite the catch, and so she's like, okay, so she's not trying to do this, at which point Martin has... Been enjoying this whole thing, so he's claimed he's an astronaut, <laughs> uh, and so he's claimed he's an astronaut. They go, "What are you doing?" And he's just like, "What? I can't have fun, right? so he's just he's pretending to be an astronaut. Uh, there's this great bit where Daphne points out her surname is Moon Crane. And he goes, I remember the last time I drove a moon crane. <laughs> right? And it builds up. And so Frasier uh, is, uh, is staying with Niles and Daphne because he's, he's had a fight with his wife, Maris. Okay. And that's the backstory for that. And there's this whole thing of there's a knock on the door and it's Roz. And she starts yelling at Frasier from behind the door because of something he did. And Martin goes, well, what do you know? It's Maris. <laughs> and he's just got this huge grin on his face. <laughs> like he's just made this whole situation so much worse, and so Roz comes in and, and Fred has to pretend that they're married, and he goes, "I pay on I'll explain later." Leave like that, and so they do this whole thing. Uh, Daphne, uh, Roz st- is now attracted to the guy. And Daphne's attracted to the guy, so Ros and Daphne start trying to fight over the guy by making up lies in the backstory of their figs. So, for example, Roz says, "Hey, Daphne, slow down. You are drinking for two, <laughs> right?" And she's just glares at him, it's like, "You're pregnant, Daphne." It's like, "Yes, I am." <laughs> like that, and then she goes, well, I, saw, "I saw right because you know Roz is barren." Like that. And then, and, then Niles, and then Niles just jumps in and goes, Don't worry about it though, because my brother Frasier is impotent. And Frasier's just sitting on the couch going, Okay, come on, let's do this. Let's do this. Like that. And so it builds, and then there's, there's a lovely bit where um, the dog comes in and he goes, Oh, what's his name then? And they all look at each other and they go, Together in unison, Eddie. <laughs> they have to get the story straight. And of course, it builds to the point where finally Frasier goes, The truth is, we've been lying to you this whole time, which is a great line. Um, and Martin in that episode actively makes this situation harder and harder for them. But he himself is not like blindly obsessed with it. He's just very funny. He keeps adding to the situation. Um, so so he'll sometimes complicate a storyline. He'll make a storyline more difficult. Um, in the ske- I just, I just yeah. want
1: to pause on the episode because um, uh, we were going to come to it in a sec. But um, his role as uh, sometimes straight man. Yeah, and in comedies, you often have that character that points out the blind obsession in order for the character to then ignore it and continue, yeah, uh, continue being blindly obsessed. Yeah, um, Martin's role in that one is sort of the same, but he doesn't outwardly say it. No, you you get like he knows how it's in the subtext. It's right? in the subtext. This is ridiculous, this and is I'm really... going to have fun. Exactly. Like, there's
0: no way this could like he's pushing it. He's like he's just I'm going to make this worse and worse because he doesn't care. He fundamentally... its not—he See, because he's not blindly obsessed because he doesn't care that if Daphne gets embarrassed, he thinks Mm. the whole thing is ridiculous, that there's nothing really at stake here other than their own sense of embarrassment and all this stuff. And now that Daphne likes him, you know, she should just, like... So he doesn't really care, he's just having fun, and he knows this is temporary, so he's just enjoying it. Yeah. But uh, it's great because it just builds
1: builds the embarrassment that does matter to Niles and Frasier and Daphne. But it it gives you options with the straight man that I didn't realise we're actually there yeah the so straight man just...
0: doesn't have to be a downer no where it's just like yeah I'm just gonna like put go and... a blocktipus a <clears throat> yeah a blocktipus no. exactly no. No. no no in fact yeah in fact he does the exact opposite right? he just says yes but yes yeah. and right he does the improv thing He's like, yeah and Maris <laughs> like, just like <laughs> just when he does that it's like you have just made this so much worse for us um I'll get to the straight man in a minute another thing that he does when he complicates things there's a great episode called the ski lodge where basically This they're... is your favourite, isn't it? It's one of my favourites. I love this. Uh, but the whole p- premise of the show is they're in a ski lodge. Frasier, Daphne, Niles, Daphne's friend Annie, Martin, and then the ski instructor, the French man named Guy. And Martin has a cold and his ear is blocked. And so he overhears things, but... He he doesn't hear it quite right and he doesn't know exactly who he's talking to when he says things and so on. And so he accidentally creates an entire farce by missaying what people are thinking about each other. So what happens is, um, Frasier is pursuing Annie, Annie is pursuing Niles, Niles is pursuing Daphne, and Daphne is pursuing Guy, and Guy is pursuing Niles. So you have this love spiral thing going on. And what happens is martin over here snippets and he tells the people that so and so like oh yeah you should make a move on so and so tonight because they like you and etc and he doesn't even know he's doing it this entire farce is created by martin and so when it builds to a fever pitch and this bedroom farce all fa- all the uh the five characters are in the same bedroom yelling trying to work out what's going on and who's trying to sleep with who martin comes in and he goes hey Stop all the yelling, some of us are trying to sleep. Oh, my ears just popped. Yeah, I can hear again. And he walks out and then they all just silently realise what's gone on, which is they've all realised that Martin was the one who's telling them stuff and he clearly didn't know what he was saying or he misheard things, right? So Martin creates the entire ridiculous fuss, right? So he complicates things, he makes he makes the situations worse so that the the um the characters are put into situations where they then overreact rather than overreacting creates those situations.
1: I just want to talk on a, quickly on a very general level when designing your cast. Um, mm. should you always be thinking of having characters that complicate in that well, way or uh, react
0: in well, that way. Well, essentially every character is either going to help make things easier or make things harder, right? Characters you want characters to generate conflict in some way um, or to help ease conflict in some way. Um, it's just a natural thing, um, but it's it's um, you know you're running a cop scene and he's interrogating a suspect. The suspect is making it harder for him, right? Hmm. Uh, they're lying, they're hiding, whatever, or they're telling the truth and it doesn't help at all. It doesn't help them catch the killer, right? In some way, it's making so the scenes are always going to be doing that. But it's um, what you have is this this character isn't just making thing its not isn't just an obstacle that needs to be overcome. They are actively making it. Uh, worse hmm. in that sense they, they're escalating the situation uh, and one of the reasons that that can happen in comedy is because the characters are so blindly obsessed they can't stop and turn around so when you have a character that kind of walks in and makes it worse and walks out you've created a situation where the characters now are overreacting to situations but it's not they are—they aren't undermotivated because they weren't the ones who escalated it out of nowhere. So it's a way of, I guess, of escalating the story. You can have a character come and escalate
1: it slightly, and then let's like, like that fuse, and then Where, these, these blind obsessions will carry them, whether willingly or unwillingly. Yeah, exactly. Like you said in in, in that other episode, he's actively he's trying active, to make it worse. Actively make it worse. But in this, he yeah. in the in the ski lodge one, it's, it's totally by accident. Yeah, it's totally by accident. Um, yeah, and then the other thing he does is he reacts.
0: He reacts to what's going on. So, um, uh, in in chest pains, obviously he's he's um, he's the target of what Fraser's uh, after. Um, but um, uh, there's there's a there's a wonderful episode called uh, Shrink Wrap, where uh, Fraser and Niles, <laughs> I love this episode. Fraser and Niles, um, they open um, a joint practice. They share a psychiatric practice together, and. Martin tells them, this is a bad idea. The book you wrote together, that was a bad idea. The time you tried to run a restaurant together, that was a bad idea. This, no, the restaurant was still the worst idea. <laughs> <laughs> and so Martin is constantly pointing out to them throughout the episode that the two of them cannot work together, that they they are just too competitive and they will not be able to handle it. So he's constant, so he comes in with this great wit whenever, they, because those two characters are so crazy as it is, and they overreacting to ridiculous situations. It just keeps building and building and building. Not, Martin doesn't have to come in and do anything. They're already... They're already bouncing off each other. So he just has these wonderful witticisms and remarks that he makes about it. Um, and speaking of the the restaurant one, in the restaurant episode, um, he is sort of a bit joke, a bit mocking and deprecating of their idea to own a restaurant. But then once they actually do it, he's very proud of them and impressed. But of course, that's when (laughs) Frasier goes into the kitchen and and tells everyone, now everyone, we've got to make a really good impression because... That this table, that this big table here, has the head of immigration, at which point everyone runs out because they're all illegal immigrants, <laughs> right? That he's hired, he's just hired. So he has no kitchen stuff, he has no waiting staff, he has no bar staff, nothing. So he has to conscript his family into doing it, which of course leads to this wonderful line of, "I'm not asking any of you to do anything you've not done in your own home a dozen times before." Now, Niles, quick, kill six eels, <laughs> <laughs> right? It's just this great line, um, and so. Um, so he gets Martin involved and Martin, uh, he blackmails him and so on. And Martin helps him out. But all he does is he helps him out by just doing the job, but he's constantly making snarky comments. Like the guy goes, Oh, you know, I'll just wait for, for Roz to finish helping Froze. he goes, uh, I'd have the drink. know <laughs> that guy, I wouldn't wait that long. So he, he's just kind of like making snarky comments as it goes through. Um, and, but he doesn't really make it much worse. He's just—he's got to help them out because they're his sons. And he wants to help them out, but at the same time, he again—he thinks he, there's actually in that episode he actively says to them just level with people, tell everyone what's going on because people are reasonable and they understand it. It's your opening night; they understand something went wrong, and that's when all the food critics of Seattle walk in, and Fraser just goes
1: "Bon appétit!" like that, <laughs> like even though he has no kitchen well, stuff. Well, that, that's a good moment to get onto the straight man role. Yeah, right? yeah. What do you want to talk about the straight man? (laughs) Is there anything that we haven't, that I didn't accidentally cover a moment ago?
0: I don't think so. What did you cover?
1: Um, Well, just that we realised that, or I realised that that there's different ways a straight man can do his job.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't mean they have to be a downer.
1: Or her job. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the straight woman, I
0: guess. Yeah, they don't have to be this character that's constantly sort of like going, ugh, you're so silly. Ugh, why are you doing that? Like constantly complaining about the fact that things are funny. (laughs) <laughs> right, like that doesn't have to be um, The straight character at all What they, what you can have uh, At least with with Martin is you can have someone that plays along That You want to, You see, when I say Martin isn't Funny in the sense of He doesn't have a blind obsession He is funny because John Honey plays him very well And he has funny lines His lines are great bits of wit And so on But the character itself is not, like, if you made a show about Martin Crane, it would not be a comedy. Mm. It might be a dramedy at most, you know, but it, it, it would be a drama with wit. It would not be a comedy. Yeah. Um. So, because that's not how his character is. But he, he is funny but his character is not a comedy character in that sense. And so this idea of the, these these characters, where you have one character who's who's got the blind obsession and then the other character who doesn't and points out how ridiculous the blind obsession is. Um... It's not something that comedy requires. There's absolutely no need for it. No, like you, the, the, there's this, this, the, the, the idea of the, the straight man, as it were, um, is that, that that character is a necessary function of comedy. That you need to have someone to point this all out. And I've never un- understood why people think that is. Because it's just not true. Um, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. It doesn't have one. Hmm. Everyone's crazy. Um, all the time, even when even when they're trying to be the straight man, they're just still totally off the wall, right? Um, so, and South Park doesn't really have one. No, uh, not really.
1: Um, I, I, occasionally, like in, for, in, in yeah, the, um, in the Randy Marsh episodes, it's often yeah, uh, his wife who's pointing out yeah, so often Sharon that's yeah. just like Randy
0: exactly yeah. So yes, yeah, the straight woman, right? Yeah. Um, but. It strikes me but th- there's this thing of like the straight straight man or woman henpecking the comedy character, yeah. And people kind of think you gotta have this balance. It's like you don't actually have to have the balance. Um, and if you do, if you are gonna have a character in your in your cast that doesn't have a blind obsession, as it were, who isn't doing the blind obsession stuff, then, well, that doesn't mean you can't make them funny. It Doesn't mean you can't give them jokes. It doesn't mean that they can't make it funnier. It mm. just means that they themselves
1: are not pursuing the comedy obsession. It strikes me off the top of my head that the role, the function of, yeah. a straight, of, of the straight character is to push against the character with the blind obsession in some way in order to uh, push them to further extremes or yeah. in order to highlight how extreme they're being. Yeah, exactly. But you can fulfil that role in other ways. Yeah. Like, the you can have an accidental Yeah. Um... Straight person by having that character with a, with an opposing blind obsession, yeah. right yeah exactly. so it's it's just about discovering that function yeah. of of that, so like this the the straight role is not um uh, it's not um how would you put it it's not necessary, it's, yeah, it's not, not fundamental, convention. yeah, it's not a convention no
0: it's not it's not required, you don't need to do that in order to make comedy work it's just a
1: choice as we've talked to before it's yeah a choice you and would
0: so make. if you make that choice, then you go, well, there's loads of ways i can I can do that. Okay. And um, and Martin's just a particularly wonderful way of having a character get involved in, in the story and um, and be funny in his own right.
1: It's, He's a great character. Let's talk then finally just about dimensionalising yeah, uh, Frasier. Yeah, the
0: other thing that Martin does is he helps dimensionalise Frasier, uh, which of course is what you need when you have a...
1: Because
0: a, a, Frasier is not an ensemble show, right? It's There's a reason it's called Frasier. mm um, it's about Fraser, and so Fraser is the most dimensionalized character in the cast. Uh, he has the most, like he has lots of different blind obsessions, and uh, he shares a lot of them with Niles. He and Niles are very similar in that respect. But um, what Martin does is, is Martin Niles, all those characters dimensionalize Fraser in some way. They give him something to play, and Martin helps dimensionalize Fraser in a couple of ways. First of all, um, Fraser. Um, is a very sort of uh, upper class aristocratic wealthy um, uh, posh you know pompous guy right very pretentious guy and what helps dimensionalize him is that his father is a humble working class cop beat cop right that immediately dimensionalizes Frazier because now you know that all these things that, that he loves opera all this stuff are choices that he's made in his backstory to enjoy and he's grown up with and so on and it dimensionalizes him because the fact that this person is related to that person is an inherent sort of dimension in that ca- in that character in the cast uh and also as i pointed out he's very sort of mature he's a psychiatrist um he's uh, very sort of insightful into people and all that and it's great when he's with martin because martin infantile infantilizes him right uh Frasier acts like a kid when he is around Martin. He just acts like a child around him. They have this father-son relationship, and so as a result, um, Frasier appears immature and almost naive in some cases. For example, <laughs> there's a bit where uh, he gets ripped off uh, by an uh, by a uh, by an art dealer, and uh, Martin says, "Here's the number you dial at the police station." He gives him the number. He dials, and he goes, "Yes, oh dad, they asked me what department do I want to go to." tell them you want to go to the fine arts crime department and he goes "Ah, oh, the fine arts crime department dad they're laughing at me and he just takes things <laughs> thanks guys i just need my son to have a dose of reality and he hangs up with it right and so like, so uh, there's this thing of like um martin um uh, sort of uh, he he brings out these sort of immature aspects of Frazier. Mm. Um, and so it helps dimensionalize him. And, uh, this, and uh, the other thing, of course, you could say is like, well, oh, it makes Frazier seem really caring because he took in his dad and all that stuff. But that's save the cat thinking. Um, you know, it's not... You don't go, oh, he took in his dad, therefore he's a lovely guy. Because you never see him treat his father well. <laughs> right? He's constantly berating him. He's constantly having a go at him. He's constantly being mean. And Like, the two of them are always at each other's throats. I mean, they love each other, but like... Y- that's not why you have empathy with Fraser. You have empathy with Fraser because you're. We're all a little pretentious, right? We're all just that bit pretentious. Uh, we all have the 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 uh, that sense of guilt in how much we want fame, right? Because there's there's a wonderful episode with Fraser, particularly with his manager BB, his agent. Beg your pardon, Bebe, who, uh who is by the way, Fraser is one of Will, who's been on this show many times. Will's favorite shows, and he loves Bebe or Baby. I, I forget how you pronounce the name, uh, and. Whenever she's there, she's like this dark seductress that tempts him away from the honest work of psychiatry into entertainment and show business. And there's that one. There's just this bit where Nas goes, you're no longer a psychiatrist. You're in show business. (laughs) (laughs) Frasier's aghast at it. So we have empathy with Frasier because of his dimensions.
1: Yeah.
0: uh, And his obsessions and so on. That's why we empathize with him. But at the same time, we go, yeah, but I'm not that crazy. Okay? I'm not like that far off. We don't empathize with him just because he was nice to his dad in season one, episode one, for a scene. That's mm. you know so it's a bit more than that. But um so that's what he does. He helps dimensionalize Frasier in a number of uh, lovely ways. Uh and also uh, I mean Niles does the other side. And then of course you've got Niles and, and um Martin are such polar extremes of each other, Niles and Martin. Frasier appears in the centre. Right? Because Frasier, if he's the protagonist, and this show needs to run for... Uh, it ran for over 220 episodes, I think. 20 episodes a season? 11 season,
1: hmm.
0: Yeah? So more, maybe more than that. So around 220 episodes it ran for. And this is about one character. And he's a comedy character. He has to be able to sustain all that. And he has a cast around him. And they need to be able to sustain everything. And so if Frasier is the central character, and he's a complete zany off-the-wall Bizarro character he can't sustain it right so Niles is more extreme than Frasier on the blind obsession side and the quirks and Martin is more extreme on the drama side and that keeps Fraser in the middle in a nice balance if they need to pull back on His blind obsession they can by bringing Martin in or whatever or they can escalate it by putting Niles in there So, So like when Martin and Niles are together. It goes completely off the wall the show Right, you know, it gets the frenzy, builds and builds and builds. When it's Martin and uh when Martin's involved, often the show becomes a bit more tender. Well, not every time, but just in general. And so it's the thing that this character can do, and of course John Mahoney was magnificent as him. He's just amazing.
1: Let's um let's wrap this up then. Okay. What do we learn? That you should watch Frasier <laughs> Brilliant.
0: We should watch more of Frasier. No, what we learn, I think, I think what's interesting about Martin is that Frasier is one of the greatest sitcoms ever made. And when you look at most sitcoms, the greatest sitcoms ever made, if you look at the um, the things like Faulty Towers, right? Um, or you look at It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia or Arrested Development or um, Father Ted or the, the British Office, and mm. these kind of shows. When you look at these great, great sitcoms, you notice that almost everyone in the cast is is a, has a blind obsession. Uh, everyone in *Rest of Development* has blind obsessions. Everyone in *Faulty Towers*, the main four characters, uh, pretty much all have blind obsessions, except maybe Sybil. Uh, Sybil doesn't. Now that I think about it, the straight woman is more common than the straight man. Hmm. Um, so uh, Sybil uh, and, and Sybil and Polly in *Faulty Towers* are less on the blind obsession side, but mainly it's it's Basil and Manuel because he doesn't know things. But anyway, the, the these characters, generally, you have multiple characters with blind obsessions. You have sort of a main character with blind obsessions, a, a character who's even crazier than them. And then characters who are the straight man and blah, blah. You know, you have this thing. And here you have Frasier, which is one of the greatest sitcoms of all time. A very small cast. One of the major characters in it, from the very beginning to the very end. One of the most beloved characters in that show. And he doesn't, he's not a comedy character doesn't really have blind obsessions he just inserts wit into the show um he's very funny um but he isn't a comedy character he doesn't have the blind obsessions that drive the story and when they need to put martin in the driver's seat they have to give him something they have to give him something to make him funny otherwise he just doesn't really work but he's not really a full-on comedy character i think that's i think that's kind of interesting um because Martin does have his own storylines. Martin does do things. Whereas someone like Sybil and Polly and Manuel in Faulty Towers, they never drive any stories. There's only 12 episodes and they're all driven by Basil, right? Um, in Arrested Development, you and uh, it's always Sunny in Philadelphia, you have a cast, an ensemble cast. Everyone in the cast is completely insane, filled with blind obsessions, and they're all bouncing off each other. And then actually, it's very insular in that sense, because they're constantly bouncing off each other. They don't need extra characters right, to mm. come in. Um, and then you look at something like The Office, where you have David Brent who is has blind obsessions. You have Gareth, who's even more crazy, but then everyone else around him is played completely dead straight. Um, and you know, and even then you had the things like you have, um, what was it, Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor, right? Richard Pryor would improvise and do funny things, and Gene Wilder would keep it as straight as he could because he knew that it was already funny and he couldn't make it funnier. Hmm. It's not that he was trying to make it less funny; it's just no, no. If I try and make it funny, it'll become it'll become less funny. So if I play it straight, it'll be funnier. Mm.
1: So the straightness heightened the comedy, if in that sense. Which is what we mentioned about the the straight character earlier, heightening that blindness. Exactly. Position. And so the fact that Martin is sort of
0: this main character, he does so much for the show, and yet he isn't what you call a comedy character in that sense. I think I think it's quite interesting. I think anyway, it's just an interesting part of cast cast design because uh, I would have always thought. And in fact, this is actually the case whenever I've tried to write, when, we, when I tried to write sitcom with Will, everyone in the cast, I kept trying to give them blind obsessions. Mm. And looking at Martin, I'm like, actually, you don't necessarily need to do that. It's, again, it's just one of those things of you don't need to give every character in a comedy a blind obsession.
1: Mm.
0: Like that's, that's something that's like you, that's the danger when you think of, in thinking think in terms of rules, you forget purpose driven. Conventions. Conventions are purpose driven. They're there to generate specific effects that you want. Mm. And you don't have to do it a certain way. And so, so long as your protagonist has a blind obsession, no one else in the comedy necessarily needs to have one. Just the, the protagonist is what matters. Having a blind obsession. So, yeah. We're I, mean, that's good? yeah we're good.
1: I think we need to um, finish on the Fraser music.
0: Hey, baby, I hear the blues. I call that one.
1: That one. Yeah. I'll put that. Do you want to sing us out or do you want to play the real thing um good night seattle we love you
0: (laughs) hey baby i hear the blues are calling tossed salads and scrambled eggs oh my and maybe i seem a bit confused well maybe but i got you pegged (laughs) but i don't know what to do
1: with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs they're calling again